0: society 13 podcast network redefining podcasts society-13.com i like to listen Hello you spectacular people. Welcome to this 150th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host Diane and this is Denise. And on this episode, we are going to the Wild West, one of our favorite places to go. We're going to be bringing you the St. James Hotel and our listener Richard Cutshall is going to be joining us in a bit to share his experience of staying in the hotel and also some haunting things that happened to him and his wife. Before we get into that, we'd love to have you check out our website, historygoesbump.com. And Denise, if people want to send us feedback, where can they do that?
2: They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com.
0: We got an email from Cindy Fellow. She's the one who told us about the skull, the Native American skull that they had in their office. Do you remember?
2: Oh, I do remember and we'd that. And we said,
0: I wonder if they had any haunting experiences go on with that. She said, about the Native American skull in our office safe, Yes, we did have a few odd things happen at our office, but never associated it with the skull. Until now. There was a typewriter in the superintendent's office that would start typing all by itself. It would type XS at the most random times when no one was even near it. It was checked and they could never figure out why it would do it. We also kept having a bad smell close to where the safe was. We thought maybe we had a dead animal under the building and our maintenance guys checked for it and found nothing. The smell lasted for weeks. Love the show. I've tried other shows and keep going back. to history goes bump. If you ever come to California, I'd love to show you a few haunted local places. We're heading to Portland, Oregon next week as my daughter lives in Oregon, and I'm hoping to stay at McMiniman's Chapel Pub. We've been to a few of their other places, and they're so cool. So I thought, wow, that's interesting that she happens to mention the Chapel Pub, which I think we mentioned on the last episode or the episode before that, that somebody else had visited there. So synchronicity. I know I told her if anything happens, let us know.
2: And Amanda Prouty let us know, beginning on Friday, September 30th, our ghost walk expands to include an interior tour of the James Bryce House, the most haunted building in Annapolis. A truly exclusive opportunity to step inside the Bryce House at night, if you dare. The tour includes a haunted walk through the historic district, in addition to time inside the Bryce House, only offered for the ghostly season, which is 365 days a year, right?
0: To us it is. What's wrong with these people not doing it year round? No kidding. We have some exciting news for our executive producers out there. We finally have a private feed that you can load up all of those bonus episodes into your favorite podcast catcher. So if you've got iTunes or what have you, You can put the link in there and it will fire it right up. I've tested it out. It's working great. Other executive producers that we made the announcement to over at the Spooktacular crew have tried it out and it's working. Heather had some issues getting it to work. So you might have to enter it manually. But for most of us, it seemed like it was a copy and paste deal. You just copy it and paste it right in, especially on your iTunes. You just say you want to subscribe to a podcast and then the little URL box will come up and you just put it in there and boom, it'll bring it right up. And uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy that. I'm excited that it's available that way.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Also, I know we have a lot of people who are into steampunk. Obviously, I am, for anybody who's gotten to know me through this show. Did you see Rhonda Borgen had posted a picture on the Spooktacular Crew of a Dr. Pepper bottle with a label that was steampunk? I did see that. I have got to find one of those somewhere. Anyway, I'm a member of a group where we talk about podcasts that we like to listen to on Facebook. And I met another podcaster over there. Her name is Ashley Glenn and she hosts the Bosch and Brave podcast. And it's a steampunk themed audio drama. And it's pretty good production value from what I've heard so far. I've gotten to listen to a couple of the shows. So if you guys are into audio dramas, check out Bosch and Brave. That's B-O-S-H. And if you enjoy it, give her a review. She's having a hard time getting reviews over there. And I know how much it means to us to have you guys giving us reviews so history goes bump went over and gave her her very first review oh yay we're number one we broke the (laughs) ice And just so everybody knows, we are recording the next couple of shows ahead of time. So it might be a little delayed in you getting Welcome to the Spooktacular Crew or getting your reviews read or getting your comments read or responded to. So just be patient in the next about two weeks. All of that should come up and we'll be back up to date as we come into October. We want to welcome to the Spooktacular Crew, Tiffany with an IE. Hi, Tiffany with an IE. Madeline with no E. Hey, Madeline with no E. Dana from Okinawa. And Dana from Okinawa. Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Julie. Hey, Julie. And Gary. Hi, Gary. Well, are we ready to go check out the Wild West and St. James Hotel? Yes, we are. Let's do it. All right.
1: History Goes Bump is entirely listener supported. Become an executive producer for as little as $1 a month. Get listed on the website and invited to exclusive virtual meetups. For $5 a month, you get that and exclusive bonus content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. For $10 and above a month, you'll get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump or you can support us via PayPal. Click the support the show tab at historygoesbump.com for more information.
0: History is full of oddities, curiosities, mysteries, and the truly bizarre. Welcome to This Moment in Oddity.
2: This Moment in Oddity was suggested by Jill Phoenix. Daisy and Violet Hilton were a couple of remarkable ladies, and what makes them odd is that they were conjoined twins who managed to find a way to make a living from their difficult circumstances. The twins were not identical and they became fused to each other at the base of their spines in vitro they were born in brighton england in 1908 their mother was a barmaid and their father was a soldier no one knows their names and it seems that the mother died shortly after their birth and their father was killed in world war one the midwife who delivered them was mary hilton and she would care for the twins and give them her name mary realized that displaying the girls could make some good money So she started touring them around to circuses and carnivals. She heard how well freak shows and vaudeville was doing in America, so she traveled to the U.S. with the twins in 1916. Mary was a heartless woman and treated the girls horribly. They were malnourished and forced to participate in sideshows. The twins met Harry Houdini in the 1920s and he taught them how to do self-hypnosis so that they could create their own solo spaces. It helped them get rid of each other in their minds. The girls also decided to rid themselves of Mary, and in 1929, they went to court and they were free. Once they could keep their earnings, the girls enjoyed the world of freak shows and vaudeville. They even appeared in the 1932 film Freaks. They became headliners and their fame grew until the 1950s brought television, and vaudeville went into the dustbin of history. They moved to Florida and worked in a grocery store. They were found dead in their home in 1969, having succumbed to influenza conjoined twins no longer are treated as bizarre oddities, but as a unique mutation, and we can't help to think that the Hilton sisters had something to do with that.
1: Turn out the lights. The party's just getting started.
0: This Day in History On this day, September 21st, in 1765, the Beast of Gévaudan was killed by Antoine de Botourne. The Beast of Gévaudan was a man-eating wolf that terrorized the former province of Gévaudan in France between the years 1764 and 1765. The wolf would kill its victims by ripping their throats out. The beast was reported to have an immense tail and massive teeth. Most reports have the wolf attacking 210 people and killing 113 of them. Over 90 of the victims were partially eaten. Antoine de Bottonnet was employed by King Louis XV as gun bearer and lieutenant of the hunt, and it was his job to hunt the animal. On September 21st, an announcement was made that the wolf pack had been spotted in Pommier Woods. Antoine gathered his hunting party and he positioned himself at a place where the hunting hounds would scare the beast towards. It worked and Antoine encountered the wolf. He fired his musket that was loaded with no less than five charges of powder, a ball, and 50 to 40 pieces of shrapnel known as wolf shot. The blast knocked him off his feet and hit the beast in the right eye and shoulder. The wolf struggled to its feet and lunged at Antoine. Antoine's cousin fired his musket and hit the wolf again. Would struggle for 25 more yards before falling over dead. The beast of Jevoudan was dead.
2: Hello, this is Victoria from victoriaslift.com. When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring... The past remains with us, and so do its spirits. Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices and the truth from the past. When one thinks of the Old West in America, cowboys and Native Americans, along with all the varieties of gunslingers from sheriffs to outlaws, come to mind. It was a time when a man could die in the streets with his boots on or at the poker table holding the dead man's hand a pair of aces and a pair of eights, all black. Cimarron, New Mexico was in the middle of all this, and the St. James Hotel built there in 1872 exudes the faded Wild West. This was a wild town that played host to a veritable who's who of the Old West gunmen, lawmen, gangs, and famous performers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The hotel itself was witness to at least 26 deaths, and now the hotel seems to be playing host to the spirits. The hotel is reputed to be quite haunted with at least seven identified spirits. Our listener Richard has stayed there and hunted for some of these ghosts. Join us as we share the history and hauntings of the St.
0: James Hotel. There are many buildings and markers in Cimarron, New Mexico that reflect upon the town's heyday during the Old West days of the 1800s. Cimarron was originally home to the Native American tribes of the Ute, Hickorya Apache, and Anasazi. The town sits along the Cimarron River, and before it was established, it was a place along the mountain route of the Santa Fe Trail, which was established to avoid confrontations with the tribes in the area. A fur trapper named Lucian B. Maxwell came to northern New Mexico and stayed at a ranch there, where he fell in love with one of the owner's six daughters. He eventually married her and inherited the ranch and built a mansion on the land. He built the Aztec Mill nearby. This area that would later become Cimarron and several other towns was known as the Maxwell Land Grant. It incorporated a total of 1.7 million acres. In 1870, Maxwell sold the land grant to a group of English financiers. Such a large holding is hard to keep squatters off of, and by 1873, a range war known as the Colfax County War had broken out between Maxwell and squatters. It would continue until 1888.
2: Henry Lambert is the man who built the St. James Hotel, and pinning down details on him is difficult as there are many differing opinions and accounts on his life. Most agree that he was born in October of 1838 in Nantes, France, and moved to Bordeaux as a child. He came to the United States in 1858 and joined the Northern Navy during the Civil War. Some accounts have him working as a steward, and then he was employed by Ulysses S. Grant as a field cook. This employment lasted for one month, according to some reports. President Lincoln heard about Lambert's cooking, either from General Grant or through the grapevine, and he became the White House chef for Abraham Lincoln. But there is no official record that Lambert was a White House chef. There is a story that he owned a restaurant in the area. Perhaps he cooked for the president, but not in an official capacity. The family passed down the story and the hotel maintains it, so maybe it is true. There's just no official proof.
0: Yeah, I looked all over and the White House is pretty meticulous about their records and his name does not appear anywhere in there, but it is a story that everybody tells. So it could be maybe he was only employed for a short period of time. I'm not sure, but I couldn't find any proof for it. One thing is for sure, he was cooking for certain people in that area. Henry named the hotel after himself and called it the Lambert Inn. It opened in 1872 and the saloon became a big draw. Fur traders, miners, cowboys, and explorers visited the saloon on their travel down the Santa Fe Trail. Bar fights were a regular occurrence in this rough-and-tumble place, and there are claims that as many as 26 people lost their lives in the saloon in shootouts. The reputation for violence sparked expressions around town like, It appears Lambert had himself another man for breakfast. Henry added rooms in 1880 and fashioned them in such a way that the Lambert Inn came to be known as one of the most elegant hotels west of the Mississippi. Many famous names stayed at the hotel, including Bob Ford, who killed Jesse James, Jesse James himself, Buffalo Bill Cody, Annie Oakley, Doc Holliday, Billy the Kid, Pat Garrett, Blackjack Tom Ketchum, General Sheridan, and Wyatt Earp and his brother Morgan.
2: As yeah, so if there's any doubt that this was is noted as a Wild West kind of place,
0: just look at that list of who's <laughs> who's. <laughs> That's enough. I'm surprised it didn't <laughs> remain standing with all those characters in there.
2: Henry was married twice, first to a woman named Anna, who died in 1881, and then to Mary in 1883. He had five sons with Mary, William, Frank, Johnny, Fred, and Eugene. Fred went on to become a sheriff in Cimarron, and he always told people that Buffalo Bill Cody taught him how to use a gun. Fred was also a member of the tribal police and a territorial marshal. Cody even gave Fred the nickname Cyclone Dick because he was born during a blizzard, and he became his godfather. Cody loved Cimarron, and he loved staying at the hotel. He met Annie Oakley at the hotel and invited her to join him in performing the Wild West show. When the two took the show on the road, an entire village of Native Americans from the area joined them.
0: So I thought that was a fun fact about that hotel. That's where Annie Oakley and Buffalo Bill Cody met each other.
2: Right, and then anybody who knows their history at all knows that that show was very, very, very popular across the U.S.,
0: The roof was replaced in 1901, and more than 400 bullet holes were found in the ceiling above the saloon. So it got crazy in there. Guests were prevented from being killed with an errant shot by a double layer of wood in the ceiling. So it's almost like when Henry was building the place, he just knew what was going to happen. And he thought, you know what, we better make this a really thick floor underneath the hotel rooms, because there's going to be bullets flying, and we don't want anybody getting shot.
2: I know, it's kind of funny that that was already kind of pre-planned.
0: There are still 22 bullet holes in the ceiling of the dining room to this day. The hotel did really well while the Santa Fe Trail was being used, but when the railroad came through, the trail died, and soon the precious minerals that brought miners also dried up. The population moved out of Cimarron. Henry died in 1913, and his sons tried to maintain the hotel. Mary died in 1926, and the hotel fell into disrepair. The St. James passed through numerous owners and was occasionally closed during this time.
2: In 1985, restoration was begun on the St. James and it was brought back to its former glory, complete with antique chandeliers, brocade wallpaper, velvet drapes, mounted deer and buffalo, and original furnishings. Old hotel ledgers are also available to peruse. As you will hear Richard share, the hotel is separated into two parts. There is a historic area where 14 rooms have been kept to their rustic former nature with no televisions, phones, or radios, and then there is the annex with 10 rooms that have all modern amenities. The historic rooms were named for certain people who had stayed or owned the hotel at one time. For example, there is the Mary Lambert Room and the Annie Oakley Room. The old saloon is now the dining room, and the original antique bar is still there.
0: The St. James Hotel staff are not shy about their ghosts, as you will hear from Richard. The sightings and reports are numerous about the ghosts at this location and it is considered one of the most haunted places in New Mexico. There are at least seven identified ghosts here. The second floor is the most haunted area. Nearly all the senses are affected from the scent of roses and cigar smoke to the feeling of cold spots, to the sound of disembodied voices and haunting music, to seeing full-bodied apparitions. Ghost Adventures has been here and the hotel has been featured on A Current Affair and Unsolved Mysteries.
2: Mary Lambert gave birth to all of her children at the hotel. Her son Johnny was born in 1889 and tragically he was killed in an accident in 1892 inside the hotel. His spirit has been seen in the hotel. Mary died at the hotel as well and she seems to have remained behind to watch over Johnny. The two are seen together often. The epicenter for hauntings by Mary seems to be in her room, room 17. Her rose-scented perfume is smelled in the room. If a guest opens the window to the room, they will hear a tapping on the window until the window is closed. Her apparition is seen in the room and in the hallway outside the room,
0: and she usually has a milky white appearance. So apparently she doesn't like open windows. Sometimes Johnny's ghost is witnessed playing with two ghosts of little girls who are said to have died at the hotel as well. The girls were 8 and 10 when their family stopped at the St. James Hotel. They'd been traveling along the Santa Fe Trail and the girls became ill. Unfortunately, both died from their illness. They are most often seen playing in the hallway by the governor's room. The spirit of a prostitute has been identified as Melissa because EVPs have been recorded of a female voice saying her name was Melissa. She probably died at the hotel. Ladies of the evening were not really allowed by Mary, but they would sneak in late at night through a side door and then slip out in the morning before Mary made her rounds. Melissa's playful and enjoys tugging at men's hair, sitting in their laps, and tickling their necks.
2: Hmm, I wonder if that's one of the reasons Mary does not like open windows or like ways that prostitutes could come in.
0: Perhaps, because I can't imagine too much would get by her. So she probably knew these girls were coming in and out. And that kind of reminds me when we've watched old
2: movies that that's how girls did sneak in and out of men's rooms when they were like in all women boarding houses. The
0: other thing I wonder
2: is that do we know how little Johnny died? It said an accident in the hotel.
0: I couldn't find anything that said exactly what it was. So my thoughts, and this
2: is again just speculation, is it possibly he fell out of a window because it was an accident and he was small. So if he fell out of a window, then it would make sense of why his mother would not want open windows in the house.
0: Hmm, just, that's a really interesting thought because I can't figure out why else you'd be upset about an open window because generally spirits I would think would like open windows because it's access maybe. Exactly. So yeah, interesting. Or she's trying to keep other things from coming in because I already have enough in there. Yeah, I
2: don't know. So any of you all who tempt the spirits, if you're there, ask Mary because I'm not gonna. (laughs) There's a room at the hotel that is so haunted and by such a negative entity that no one is allowed to rent the room. The room is actually padlocked. That is room 18 and it was a room that was rented by a Thomas James Wright who was known as TJ on March 31st, 1882. And Richard is going to get into the thoughts on how TJ came to die. And now his angry spirit has remained in room 18. TJ's ghost has violently pushed and shoved people, including an owner who decided to put the padlock on the room. She claimed to see an angry orange ball of light in the upper corner of the room once also. None of the staff is brave enough to enter the room to clean it and the room is staged as though a gambling, drinking cowboy is still in the room. When guests were allowed in the room, they would report seeing a cowboy popping up in the window and one couple told a security guard a cowboy ghost was rocking, watching and grinning at us.
0: Another peculiar entity may not be a ghost at all. This thing is called the imp or little imp. He's a dwarf-like man who is very mischievous. He moves objects around and likes to take things and then return them later. He laughs at the staff and plays tricks on them as well. Other unknown entities are here, and some think that spirits come and go because of the nearby Santa Fe Trail. It seems to be some kind of energy highway. Kind of reminds me of us talking about water that goes by, that being an energy byway, crossroads, ley lines. It just It's like all these little lines that become important seem to carry energy for some reason. These spirits knock things off the check-in area, pictures fall off of walls, lights flick on and off, and cold spots are felt. Cameras malfunction often inside the hotel. A college student named Cody Mutz worked at the hotel during summer breaks. In 2002, he was working the front desk when he was startled by a loud shriek coming from a far corner. His eyes started about looking for whoever had screamed. There was no one in that corner. And guests on the other side of the lobby seemed to have not heard the noise. Weird. Creepy. Very creepy. So you went to the St. James Hotel with your wife. When did you guys go there?
1: Gosh, I'm trying to think of the year. It was probably uh, 2000, um, close to 2010.
0: And did you go because you were just wanted to check it out and going on vacation, or did you go there specifically because you'd heard it was haunted?
1: My wife, you know, she did it as a, uh, a birthday present for me. I've, I've always, I'm really interested in the paranormal stuff because I grew up in a haunted house, and it sort of made a mark on me, and, and um, I, I, that really started kind of a fascination with it. And I was kind of, I was telling you in the email I sent to you guys that um, how much I loved your show and the work you guys are doing and how I love history, too, you know, and I, I especially like stuff around the Old West. Because um, I grew up in Kansas, and so all that stuff, like Dodge City and all that stuff is really pretty close, you know, and Jesse James, Lore and stuff like that. So so she was really like, oh, this kind of this is everything. This is haunted, and it has this Old West history to it.
2: So she was the one who looked up that particular hotel, or did you tell her you wanted to go to the James Hotel?
1: I think I told her. Yeah, I think I uh, suggested it before. And, um, you know, just uh, telling her about it, how, you know, how cool it was and stuff, or how, you know, how actually it was pretty somewhat close. So we were living in um, New Mexico near Santa Fe, and then we're both artists. We were living there, and it just seemed like, oh, it's just only a few hours away. So we just took an overnight trip there.
0: Had you ever been to Cimarron before?
1: No. So no.
0: how is the city set up? Does it look like an old west town, or is it just a regular town with a few old buildings in it?
1: It's just it's just a really small uh, town with just a few buildings in it. Um, it's really, I mean, there's hardly, I'm sure residents of Cimarron would, would disagree with you. <laughs> there's really, I mean, there's not anything, there's no attraction to go there except for probably the hotel I mean, I think it's just a small, um, probably like a, uh, I'm not sure what the major commerce is. that kind of keeps it alive still, but it's very, it's very small. Like the hotel is one of the most prominent structures there in town.
0: Well, it looks like a pretty large place. It's about two stories tall? Yeah. And about how many rooms do they have there?
1: Say, I mean, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm sh- probably around maybe 20. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a new section of the hotel. There's an older, uh, the old historical section. But the new section has like a TV, has TVs in the rooms and AC and stuff like that. But the older section, you know, is um, kind of historically, tried to be historically accurate to the period with the furniture and stuff like that. And so there's no, you know, there's no AC, there's no TVs in the room. And it's just really pretty stripped, pretty bare.
0: Wow. So you can get the full on experience in that part of the hotel. (laughs)
1: Yeah, maybe, may you know, in a way, you know, it's kind of it's kind of creepy in itself when you go to a place like that. I'm sure you know what I mean. Like, it's sort of like, it's sort of there's a creep factor to it because it's like, it's sort of like you're stepping into a different time period. And so, you know, I think that maybe... Now, we had some pretty good experiences there, some pretty definite things, but I'm sure that, you know, your imagination starts already like, oh, okay. You're looking around the corner thinking, wow, you know, and you sort of think about the history of the people that that actually walked through the hallways and stuff and stayed in the rooms. Now, did
2: you stay in the new section or the old section?
1: Oh, the old section, definitely. Of course.
0: (laughs) How cool was it to think to yourself, Jesse James probably walked down this hall at some point.
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, like I said, I grew up in uh kind of southeast Kansas and southwest Missouri. Jesse James, like that's what you hear that about that stuff all your life growing up and yeah, that was pretty I mean, just the whole the gunfighter kinda um uh lore and stuff and all that when you see that place, when you look at the history of that place you think, Wow, like this place, you know, it's just amazing that these that these cast of characters just the probability of all these people walking through this hall or, you know, these halls and uh, staying in these rooms. is just crazy.
0: So do you remember what room you stayed in?
1: Oh, yeah. We stayed in the Annie Oakley room.
0: Okay, very cool. Oh, how fun. That's <laughs> Annie Oakley
2: yeah. herself.
1: Yeah. So
0: <laughs> when you opened up the door, did you immediately get a weird feeling or was it just like walking into an old room?
1: Yeah, and I, I, I know online you can see like the some photos of the interior as you walk in. Like it's very, like I said, very period stuff. And um, there's a lot of these. There's like a huge, uh, I think a buffalo head. Like all these different uh, taxidermied animals. You know, it just has this. You walk in and you just feel it. Like, Whoa! Like this is great. This is cool. But you know, I didn't get a creep factor so much. They're pretty open about the history of the hotel and about it being haunted. So when we walked up to the, we were checking in. We asked the desk clerk. We said, Do you have these stories? about stuff, and she said, oh yeah, I have, I have some stories. <laughs> she said uh, that she, just a couple nights before we got there, that we actually, this couple had stayed there, and they were bragging or saying that they had not seen a ghost, and they were sort of disappointed and everything. And so she had night uh, shift, I guess, that night, you know, main hotel at night, at her desk, and she said, all of a sudden, about 2 a.m., they come running down the stairs with their stuff and said they wanted to check out, they want to get out of there, and they were just scared to death. you know. And she said it was because they woke up and there was a guy sitting in a chair looking at them. Oh, my God. They, at-
2: <laughs> they tempted the spirit, so there you go.
1: <laughs> that was in uh, Mary Lambert's room, uh, Fred's wife. And so that was in her room that they saw that. And so then she had another story about that room, and she said that, um, well, there was a maid there that was actually walking down the steps, and she heard us over talking about about it, and she said, I have a story. (laughs) And she said, you know, she was going to clean the room that people had checked out, and she went to go clean the room, and and the room was locked. And so she was getting ready to, so she thought, well, somebody's still in there. And so she knocked on the door, and she said, you know, house cleaning, or housekeeping, and they said, "Um, just a minute. And she thought, huh, you know, And so she went downstairs and she told the desk clerk, she said, well, I can't, they're still up there, I can't clean the room. And she said, no, no, they, they checked out, there's no one up there. And so they went upstairs, knocked on the door, and the, uh, the person said, just a minute. And so the Hotel, you know, the desk clerk was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they, so they they, went downstairs with her, the housekeeping uh, person, and they, they said, we'll just double check. I, I'm, I'm sure that they're out of there. I don't know what's going on. And so uh, she said, yeah, they, you know, that, that room's supposed to be empty. So they went back up, with, and they took somebody else with them this time because they were a little freaked out. And they, um, the door was still locked, and they opened up the door, and no one was in there.
0: That is so weird because you could understand maybe the time when the maid gets a response, but... Like the ghost is still sitting there and still responding to people after she went down and brought the front desk person up. So yeah. that's just as weird because usually you hear about a ghost says something and then all of a sudden they're gone or they disappear. But wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty uh, brazen. Pretty. Yeah. Like, they, well, you know, maybe they think, oh, well, here's are the intruder. I don't care. You know.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's like, why are you knocking on my door and coming into my room? Go away.
1: So that was the first, you know, as we first got in there, that was the first thing that they, uh, you know, it was kind of cool because it was there were two stories just right off the bat. And then uh, they have this old uh, saloon that's, you know, it's, the, as you walk off the main entry point, you can go into the saloon and it's just, again, like a really incredible experience just historically speaking, just you see this great old saloon that's pretty, the 10, the 10 type ceilings and the big, long wooden bar. and. It's this really great salon, just the the uh, feel of it. That was really that was a really cool, you know, just that part. Um, as you walk in, you just immediately get this experience of like, wow, this is really going to be great.
0: It does sound great. So now you specifically set out to try to catch some haunting type stuff, like EVPs and stuff. Is that right?
1: Like I said, I grew up in a haunted house, and I'm pretty, like, I've had a lot of paranormal experiences, and I'm pretty, I remember you guys on one of your shows saying that, you know, you were telling people about how, how you didn't really, the the idea of stirring up ghosts wasn't something you were into and stuff, and, and I kind of agree with the same like I'm, I'm, I have a pretty good, healthy uh, respect for the supernatural. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't normally do like an EVP or something like that. But my wife, we had this little video recorder, and I looked to find it, and I just cannot find it. We moved since we've moved here. I have no idea where it is. We have this little voice recorder, at a um, digital recorder. So we, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try. I'm gonna see, you know, what, what would happen. So, yeah, so we actually caught a couple really uh, strange things on there.
0: So was it in response to something that you would ask?
1: Yeah, okay, so the first one, so we went to this upstairs, so like you as you go up the stairway, our room was upstairs, there's, it's very, the hallway, it's very creaky. If anyone's walking on the hallway, you can, you can hear it automatically. Like, you know, if anyone else is around and there is that room, you know, the, the I think it's 18 that they uh, lock, you know, they keep a room locked. I think you probably saw that. Yeah. They keep a room locked because of, uh, I think his name, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, the nickname
0: that I saw was TJ and he's very angry and can get kind of violent.
1: Yeah. So, so there's a lock, there's a padlock on there and he,
0: so, they padlock the door.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They're not feeling You cannot get in. Now, Now I remember, uh, I think it was like a, a show, uh, I don't know if I can say their name on the air or not. But Yes, you can. There was a show uh, on the Travel Channel where they came in. So you is that okay mean, to say their name or G- not? Ghost Adventures? <laughs> yeah, Ghost Adventures. Okay, I didn't know if I could say <laughs> Yeah, we, so, we uh, make
0: fun of them every so uh, Well, I don't know if we make fun of them, but we don't necessarily like their tactics.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd seen that they actually had gone there, and they actually went into the room and uh, had tried to sit in the room or do an EVP session. But it has to be, I guess they have to give you permission because it's locked, it's padlocked, and um, you can sort of peek in the top of it. You know, it's kind of scary. Like, it's it's kind of weird things where you, like my wife, she was trying to look in the top of it, and I was like, oh, no, no, don't do that. You know, we don't want to make it mad. But it's a little scary because you just think, well, what if you peek over and you see someone in there or something like that? So as your rooms are all upstairs and there's actually, you know, there's not very many rooms in that section and some of them are non-operational. So, but there's another room, it's called the poker room. It's where, uh, I guess they used to, to have poker games. And what's weird about that room is that's the room that supposedly TJ, TJ, yeah, TJ, like he, he basically, he, uh, he was shot in the back, um, after he won the hotel in a game or something. And then, uh, someone he was trying to go back to his his room and then somebody shot him in the back Supposedly the story is and he died in that entryway to his room and that, that where he actually came from the poker room is still there they have like a little poker game kind of set up huh. we thought oh this might be a cool place to ask some uh, questions and try to see if we can get an EVP p mm-hmm So we were asking, um, just like your sort of normal fare, I guess you would say, like, uh, what's your name? And, um, is someone here with us? You know, can you, can you give us a sign or of your presence or something? We both, so we have the EVP or the uh, recorder in our hand and we're listening, trying to be very quiet. And we heard this very audible, like, it, it wasn't one of those, those EVPs where you like, you play it back and you think, oh, wow, I heard something. I didn't hear anything at the time. Like, it was actually very audible. Um, behind us.
0: So you heard it. And I'll try to see if I can reproduce the
1: sound. So we asked the question, and then we just heard this, uh, you know, if anyone's here, can you give us a sign? And uh, you heard this. That's a heck
0: of a sign.
2: was this before or after you stayed the night?
1: Uh, This was before we were the the stay in the night, and it it almost, it was so freaky that, I mean, literally... (laughs) Like it was what, like I said, you could hear it. It wasn't like something you just had to play back, and it just all the hair on your back, of your neck, rose up, and it was like whoa. And I, and I thought, man, I wonder if they're are they mad? You know, because it sort of sounded like they were either upset or in pain or something. Maybe they were mad that they were getting asked another question by some dummy. You know?
0: <laughs> Did you feel the breath at all on the back of your neck?
1: No, it was it was it was loud. And it was definitely, like I said, I've, you know, I've had a lot of things happen. I've seen apparitions and stuff like that. And it was, this was enough that it really spooked me. Like I really scared me.
0: Well, that is saying (laughs) something. If you've seen full-bodied apparitions and this spooked you and your wife heard it too. Is that correct?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we we both, she, we both looked at each other and we just got out of the room and went back into our room and sat down for a minute and talked about it. It was a pretty freaky experience.
0: I can imagine. So, so, so the
1: second one, okay, mean, I mean, unbelievably, say. we worked up the courage to go back in and ask another question later.
0: Oh, no.
2: Tempting, tempting, tempting.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we uh, went inside and we we the same place, the poker room, and asked another question. And we were asking the same thing. If someone's here, can you say something? And distinctly in the background, you just hear these, like, little, um, you heard these, uh, it was like someone taking a, a piano and, like, making, like, like, the three notes, like ding, 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 kind of like a little, like someone just hitting three notes on the piano.
0: Now, did you hear that on the tape, or you, did you hear that with your own ears?
1: We heard that on the tape.
0: Did they used to have a piano in the poker room? Do you know?
1: Um, no, no, there's no piano in the poker room.
0: Did they have one? Do you know?
1: Um, I'm not sure if they have one or not. No. Um, I mean, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was odd, you know. Um, I'm not sure if they have one or not, though.
0: So then you go back to your room after that.
1: Yeah. Then we decided to. To call it good. That was enough. <laughs> So we, we uh, went to, a, you know, and I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. So I, I mean, honestly, maybe something did come in the room, but I, I probably didn't wake up. And my wife, she didn't, she didn't have anything odd happen to her too that night. But it was a little bit, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of sleeping with one eye open for a while until you finally go to sleep because you're thinking, well, something's going to come in here.
0: Wow. Well, what a neat experience to get to stay in such a historic place and then to get a little bit of a creep factor going on in there as well
1: oh yeah and you know and we stayed there off season so it was in the winter so hardly anybody was there so it was a real interesting because we had a lot of the place to ourselves and then you know before we left we went downstairs to check out and and i don't know as we were at the desk there's just like this all of a sudden like this really overwhelming smell of like uh roses
0: hmm, that is something that i've heard may be connected to mary lambert too
1: yeah, yeah, and it was, I mean, it was, it was extremely strong, and the, even the, the desk clerk was like, she said, wow, do you smell that? I said, yeah, and, and she said, well, I think that's, that's, uh, that's Mary, she's here or something. My wife and I were walking around looking at the hotel a little bit more, and it just followed us through the hotel, like it was just, it's almost like it was right behind us. Ooh, I didn't feel presence or anything, but you could distinctly smell that. That was very strong. I
0: hope she wasn't the one that breathed down your neck then, too, because maybe she was just following you guys around and then going, ah, oh, come on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it was something.
0: All right, well, thank you, Richard, and you have a great night tonight. All
1: right, you too.
0: Thanks. Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye.
2: Do members of the Lambert family still remain at the hotel after death? Are some of the cowboys of the old still here roaming the halls? Is the St. James Hotel haunted? That is for you to decide. Sounds like
0: a great location to check out. And some of you listening to Richard in that interview may have picked up how nonchalantly he happens to mention that he grew up in a haunted house. I know. It's just like, oh, yeah. And I just kind of live there. And then he says, I've seen several apparitions in my life, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I'm like, okay, he's very nonchalant about that. Well, don't worry. We didn't just let that pass by. No, we did. not After we got done talking about the St. James Hotel, I said, now, before you go anywhere, I have to ask you about this haunted house. You grew up in these ghosts that you've seen. And he does share quite a bit about that terrifying stories. I can't imagine what he went through as a kid. We're going to be sharing that with you on the Halloween special, so be anticipating that coming out. On our next episode, very excited to bring you our first location in Galveston, Texas, and this one we are going to be bringing to you with historical researcher and author Kathleen Maka. She has just put out the book Ghosts of Galveston. She joined us in the Spooktacular crew, and we were welcoming her in, and she just said, Oh, and by the way, I'm an author. And when she posted the book, I went, Oh, wait a minute, that's in the series I collect. So I was very excited about that. And then I said, Well, you got a lot of locations in here. What would be one you'd love to talk about? So we're going to talk about Hotel Galvez and tell you about the history of Galveston as well. Lots of fun. That is going to drop in the middle of our road trip. So I'll have everything hooked up as long as all technology goes the way it should. That should drop in the middle. It's going to be, usually, we have things that go out every five days. That one's probably going to be a few extra days just because we're hoping to throw some road trip ones up in between. So we don't want to have like everything dropping on the same day. So hopefully you'll have some road trip shows on either side of that as well. Do have a couple of reviews to share with you. On iTunes, we have five stars just like listening to old friends talk from RMTCA. I really love the History Ghost Bump podcast because it gives me the warm, happy feeling of listening to old friends talk. Diane and Denise, with some fan support where needed, do an excellent job of pulling together this wonderful show every week. I love the banter between the hosts and enjoy learning about spooky places I've never heard of. I get so excited when a new episode pops up and can't wait to listen. This is a show that just keeps getting better and better. Thanks, Diane and Denise. Well, thank you, RMTCA, for that review. And Denise, we got another review over at Stitcher. Oh, yay, yeah, yeah. another stitcher one, too. It's been like eight months or something, but finally, Joe T. gave us five stars. Fantastic combination. I'm referring to history and the paranormal and Denise and Diane. I stumbled upon your podcast by accident while searching for something else. I'm so glad I did. I'm a big history buff, and adding the spook factor just makes for more in-depth feel for the subject of the day. I immediately began binge listening, and by the time I caught up, there was no turning back. For what it's worth, I'm reminded of Johnny Carson, Diane, and Ed McMahon, Denise... <laughs> The way Denise always manages to slide a clever comment by Diane is very entertaining. You have a loyal listener and executive producer for as long as you're on the air. Thank you for introducing me to the Curioso, which led to the Wicked Library, which led to The Lift. Awesome. Love all those shows. All binged and up to date. Keep up the great work you two. and I hope to be able to join you on an adventure the next time I visit my sister in India Atlantic. Keep the faith, Joe. Well, that's cool. India Atlantic's only about two hours south of us. Right. It's just right up the road, kind of. Well, we want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to welcome new executive producer, Tiffany Newcomer. Thanks to Angie for increasing your donation. And thank you to Kathy Moormeyer for her one-time donation. Fan of the show? Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher. We would greatly appreciate your review at iTunes as well to help the show grow. Thank you.